Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. And before we get started, I have a few announcements. The first one is that Canton First Baptist is going to be taking coats for the Keeping Haywood Warm ministry that we started a few years ago and will continue this year. We will begin taking coats from the general public on October 25th, and then that will run for a while until sometime mid-November. When's the distribution? The distribution will be November 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and that will be out of our fellowship hall. So we'll probably shut down bringing in coats at about on about November 9th or so, and then we'll do that in the fellowship hall. After the fellowship hall distribution is done, we're going to still have coats and we'll move them to different Sunday school classes that are near the fellowship hall. So you'd come to the same place if you need warm items, coats, gloves, hats, jackets, which are kind of like coats, and uh, blankets, then you can get those still. You just have to call the office and make an appointment and we'll open it up for you and let you look. So you can still, quote unquote, shop for things that you need for warm items after that, but as far as the big room come one come all event, that's during that week between the 14th and the 18th. We are also going to be doing a Thanksgiving meal giveaway on the 18th, so if you just want warm items, then you might want to avoid that day because it's going to be a little crazy, but we do hope to be able to address plenty of needs in that one week. The other thing that we were going to announce is Thanksgiving. We are having a community Thanksgiving service on Sunday evening, the 21st of November. Is it the 21st? I think it's the 20th. 20th. Yes. It's a Sunday evening. It is the Sunday evening. I'm going to pull up my calendar and make sure I have the right day, which well, I don't because I have no idea what the date is. While he's pulling that up, I also have another announcement for for the Crusoe neighborhood and for or for anybody actually in Haywood County that had... Uh, flood damage from Tropical Storm Fred. Uh, we have uh, a group called Legal Aid North Carolina offering free legal services to help folks move through the FEMA appeals process or whatever kind of concerns have come up and you're thinking, wow, I probably should have a lawyer look at this or maybe it, it would be helpful to get some some advice on this. Well, we're having a two-day event with Legal Aid at Crusoe United Methodist Church, November 5th and 6th. That's a Friday evening and a Saturday. Friday evening, they're going to have sort of just a town hall presentation where they will go over some of like the frequently asked questions related to FEMA assistance, and that's from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., Friday, November 5th. Then, for those who need more one-on-one uh, -on -one specific and detailed help. November 6th, that Saturday, they will be again back at Crusoe United Methodist Church from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. and are happy to meet one-on-one -on -one with folks. Again, completely free. It's a great resource for folks who have been affected by Tropical Storm Fred flooding. Uh, so I hope that uh, you can spread the word uh, to folks that you know who might need that kind of assistance or have been confused by the process. And the Thanksgiving service is indeed on November 21st. That is the Sunday. So that'll be, I believe it's supposed to be at 6 o'clock. And the preacher for the evening will be Aaron Yao. I say will be. James reminds me that I must say, Lord willing. Lord willing, Aaron Yao will preach for us. does that keep happening? How do I turn alerts off on this sucker? Anyway, nah, I'm not going to edit it out. 
People are going to hear the ding. They need to know that I was concerned about it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Aaron Yao will be preaching, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a good evening. So it'll be short. I'm probably looking at you know 30 minutes or so, and we are going to take up an offering, and we will probably send that towards Crusoe and well, not just Crusoe, but you know, flood issues. So do be thinking about that as you consider your holiday plans. Um, that's one of my favorite events that we do. Um, we will, we will, you know, we have a big sanctuary. You should be able to spread out, wear your masks, etc. All right, Peter, we are as Mark as Mark can be, and we are going to be looking. I know why that keeps making that sound because I left Facebook up because that was silly of me. Yep. All right, I'm turning that off. I keep getting messages. That's your mistake. That was my mistake. All right, so we are going to be in the book of Mark today, and I'm going to read the selection from the lectionary, and then we can go wherever we want to go. The reading comes from Mark 10, verses 46 through 52, which says, They came to Jericho. As he he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. That's the end of the reading and a question that I had not had in any of our discussions so far may throw you for a loop, so if it does, I'm I'm apologizing in advance. Look at what he says to Jesus. First of all, he springs up and just it seems like he sprints to Jesus, but he's blind, so I don't see how that happens. He shouts loudly, though. He does shout loudly, but he goes to Jesus. What does he say? Son of David, show me mercy. And? Uh, I want to see. My teacher, let me see again. Mm-hmm. As if it was Jesus somehow keeping him from seeing. Hmm. Because, you know, if you think about the term, let me go, hmm. it's as if you're being held by someone. Sure. So, you know, you can read it with from a negative side and say, well, Jesus was hurting him? That's not very nice. That's not the Jesus I want to follow. But you can also see it as one who has control. Because the one who is allowing something is the one who has control. Hmm. So at least in Bartimaeus's eyes, uh, eyes because he's blind. See what I did there on accident? Not blind anymore. At least from his standpoint, he sees Jesus as one who is in control. And so he recognizes the power of Jesus. And so that stood out to me. I said I had a question, but it's not really a question. It was more of a... Observation. Soliloquy is what I was going to say. Okay. All right, Peter, go. Well, uh, I, I like to start off by looking at a text and understanding the context. Text without a context is just a pretext or whatever you want to talk about. Okay. 
Uh, I did a little bit of reading before this and uh, uh, to prepare for this, and it seems to be that scholars uh, of Mark agree that this is the end of a large section, or I don't know if there's a technical term for that, but... Uh, a pericope. A pericope, a chiasm. Uh, there's a bookend here, and the this is the, la the this is the latter bookend, and the and the beginning bookend, scholars agree, uh, is in chapter eight, verse twenty-two. A Jesus heals a blind man in Bethsaida, so we have a blind man healed in chapter eight, and we have Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus here in chapter ten. That healing in chapter 8 is followed immediately by Jesus predicting his death and though not immediately uh, Jesus does predict his death just before healing this uh, blind man named Bartimaeus so we've got uh, healing predicting death predicting death healing so that's those are that bookend effect so let me briefly explain chiasms which you just did without using the word a chiasm is a structure, a literary, literary structure that is often used in the Bible, especially in Mark. Like we're talking about a chiasm in Mark, but the whole book is a chiasm and it hinges on, you know, Tell chapter, chapter eight. What is a chiasm? A chiasm, let me give you an example. Well, first, a chiasm is when you have events structured a certain way where you do something and then undo it. It's like a mirror you, you, image. Correct. Almost, yeah. So like, let's say I jump up, I run to the bathroom. I use the bathroom. I run back to my seat. I sit down. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I do something. I do something else. You can do, I mean, you can go for multi-levels. I can do 14 things. But in this example, I did five things. So I do something. I do something else. I get to the, the central point where I go to the bathroom. Then I undo the thing running. And then I sit back down undoing getting up. Okay? My grandpa would say, take your time going, but hurry back. Okay, fine. <laughs> Good old Grandpa Peter. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a chiastic structure. And oftentimes uh, when you're doing, when you're reading a scripture, if you say, hmm, I noticed that this happened earlier and this thing seems very similar. Yeah. There's usually probably, if you look carefully, you can see that come out. And sometimes there are, like, you can identify like seven levels of a chiasm chiastic structure so oh, oh you can look at these outlines that, that go on and yeah. on and on and on and on yeah if it's just two things and they're really far apart I just tend to call them bookends yeah. because I don't want to like really try to like parse out was the author really trying to like create a perfect inversion here or is it just like a frame or is that just what happened yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Which most of most of the readers of Mark probably were just like, okay, that just happened. But let's look at this. Uh, let's just briefly let me read this passage from chapter eight. So we have kind of the 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 opposite, and maybe maybe comparing that with what we read for today will be insightful. So in chapter eight, verse twenty-two, Jesus and his disciples come to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch and heal him. Taking the blind man's hand, Jesus led him out into the village, out of the village rather, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on the man, he asked him, do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees, only they are walking around. 
Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. He looked with his eyes wide open. His sight was restored, and he could see everything clearly. Then Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. So, Court, do you notice any differences, similarities between that blind man being healed and the healing of blind Bartimaeus? The difference that I go right to every time I read this is that this is a weird thing for Mark's Jesus that we've seen thus far. Because so far in the gospel, as we're reading towards chapter 8, which, by the way, is the middle of the chiasm of the whole book, uh, once we get to chapter 8, eight everything jesus touches turns to gold and then after chapter eight it starts to unravel and this is one of the the signs that that's coming because it takes him two tries Mm -hmm. but in that's that's looking at the whole book overall and jesus and what's happening in his life in just this this miracle the standout difference from the healing of bartimaeus is that people brought him to Jesus. Now, if you don't read the Bartimaeus part and you just read this, you think, well, that makes sense. He's blind. Mm. He can't get there himself. Right. But look what the disciples do when they bring Bartimaeus to Jesus. They try to do what? They try to keep him away. They start, try to stop him. It's, uh, yeah, it says uh, people scolded him. Many scolded him, telling him to be quiet. But they shouted even, but he shouted even louder, son of David, show me mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's something that I noticed too. And uh, a few weeks ago, um, I preached on the the passage from chapter eight. And to me, the the fact that a group of his neighbors or community members uh, care about this man so much that they bring him to Jesus and they beg him to heal him mm-hmm. really hit me uh, in a new way this year reading this scripture. I think because of the the beautiful work that I've seen going on in the flood recovery and how neighbors are so um, they're, they're so intentional and uh, um, they're are really going out of their way to make sure that people in their neighborhoods are being helped mm-hmm. or that folks who are being overlooked. Uh, get some help. I think the phrase we often hear is we don't want people to fall through the cracks. Right. And there's an intensity and a a passion for the way that this group brings this blind man to Jesus and begs him to heal him that I really admire. And I see that going on in in the Crusoe area too and throughout the county when people just are, are... are insistent, you know, that that there that there be help for their neighbors. I really appreciate that passion, and that's why I think I'm equally disappointed, uh, crushed in a way, to see the disciples. The disciples. Well, actually, it says many, so we can't necessarily say that it was per, it was exactly the disciples. Although I it tend depends to on if you're talking about the disciples, the twelve, yeah, or if you're talking about people that followed Jesus, the group, disciples, the yeah. group, yeah. But there is a group of people getting in the way of Jesus' healing ministry. I think, you know, to me, it's just really disappointing because no matter how long folks had followed Jesus, whether it was, uh, you know, since the beginning of his ministry, like the 12, which he called, or just folks who were just sort of following him just for a short period, maybe just here in Jericho, because Mm -hmm. they'd heard that his, you know, his works of, of power 
and mercy. If you've heard about Jesus, you know that he's a healer and you know that he's merciful. Well, that's why Bartimaeus yeah. knew to call out. Right. Yeah. So who could possibly feel like it was inappropriate to bother Jesus? I, that's what I don't understand. Well, you got to think about who it was that thought it was inappropriate. It's the people that were supposed to know him the most. Mm. And my question is, you know, it's easy for us as modern day Christians to, to look for ways that we're more like our Savior. We're groomed to do that. Mm. Not just see our our qualities as Christ-like, although that happens too. But in a good way, we, we should want to be more like Jesus. But we, we rarely stop to think, well, how are we like these guys that are standing in the way of people accessing mm-hmm. our Savior or, to use Jesus as a gateway, our Heavenly Father? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that, too. Well, I think it's helpful, actually, to think about Jesus as a gate, as a gateway, because what these folks are doing is called gatekeeping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They are blocking the gate. Um, and... And it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is it, is it, is it because they're like waiting in line and they don't want, they don't want line cutters, you know? Well, they think like, about, you know, what you just said, uh, context, or let's see, text without context is pretext. Yes. And where does it come from? Proof text. Anyway, so, I mean, if you look at the context of this, they've just had all these discussions about, you know, who can be the greatest. Mm-hmm. Which one of us is the greatest? So they're already in the mindset of, I want to be closer to this guy that we think is the source of power. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that they would want to keep people away from what they think is their special connection to the one that they think has earthly power. And as we read it back years later, what most of us see is a source of heavenly power. Well, yeah, if you've got access to that, you, you want to keep it for yourself. But that's the completely opposite of the gospel message. That we, we, ha- we may have this thing, but we have it to share it. Yeah. And I think I, I, I see some, some scarcity thinking in here. Some like, well, we know Jesus is good, but we don't know if he's that good. So, like, he's been doing a great job healing and everything in the, you know, in the, in the recent days and weeks here. But I just don't know if he can handle one more healing. Yeah, I don't know if like he, we don't want to bump up against some limit, and then all of a sudden be disappointed in what he can and can't do. Um, and it, it's it's like there's a lack of imagination there. Yeah, you know, and, and I see that in our work too in in the modern day, where we know that um, we know that there are so many people with needs, and in our county what in in a variety of needs and uh, I see there's sometimes like a hesitation to do the work of going out and asking what do you need mm-hmm. what would what do you want from from us or Is how that... can we help because I worry that it's because we don't know if we have enough to go around and we just want to we've got so many people on our list already to help so the need is so great that it overwhelms us. Yeah, or there's a, a fear that it would oh, yeah. if we actually asked, but we just don't ask. And I see that here in this passage, that Jesus is, is that's not his way. You know, he, he, he asks for Bartimaeus to come to him, and he says, what do you want for me to do for you? Yeah. yeah. 
he's open to another opportunity to heal. He's on his way to Jerusalem. That's the next place he's going, and we could talk about that too, this pilgrimage journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. Well, we've kind of jumped into the middle of it. Yeah. We have, yeah, but it's because I was excited. But we can go. That's all right. We can go back. I like you being excited. Okay, so, but but, I see this in uh, in organizations that are trying to help um, in response to a disaster. For example, yes, that a lot of organizations start to construct this sort of narrative for themselves. We arrived. We helped a bunch of people. Now these people are better off than we left. Yeah. Right. There's a narrative arc there. And if Jesus fit with that kind of model, then this moment, right before he goes to Jerusalem, is not the time to heal. Cause no, because he, he's on his way out. He's on his way out, right? Yeah. I came, I healed, people are better now, and now I'm leaving. Yeah. No, but Jesus doesn't work like that because he realizes that like, just his one visit as his birth and, and soon his death and resurrection is not going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in a visible sense, in a day-to-day sense. And so he makes room to do something that you would have expected at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, Right at the end, he says, no, I'm still here to heal. Well, and especially if you look at the the book of Mark, then that continues much further than this miracle. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the way to Easter. Mm. Uh, Now, granted... It doesn't look very healing because how does it end? They were terrified. Yeah. But, I mean, the act of the cross itself is, is a final act of healing. And so maybe that is one of the important lessons we can we can get from Jesus in Mark. That, you know, there, there, it's not like we just do one thing and then we say, oh, I was Christ-like. I'm good. Now we're done. But that's the temptation. Yeah. And, and I get it. Mm. Life is tiring. Mm-hmm. And... Like you were saying earlier, you look at the greatness of the need, and it's intimidating, so we don't even ask. Mm-hmm. And so, and we're human, though. Mm-hmm. We're not Jesus. But right. we are supposed to strive to be more like Jesus. And if he took it to the end, then why don't we? Right. And I think um, the disciples forget who they're walking with, you know, that... that and, and and maybe we do too mm-hmm. because uh, we claim as Christians that Jesus is alive. Yeah. Jesus is alive and he's still healing and he's still available to us to ask for help. Uh, many of us, I think, um, could find ourselves in the person of Bartimaeus. So uh, just the last sentence you said made me think about something. But And I've been on a How Do We See Jesus kick today and I didn't plan on doing that but I've I've slipped into it but do you have you a collective you our listeners think of the older relative that you have and you know they used to be very capable and now you know you go see them and they say well I'm going to go make myself something oh let me do that for you I don't want you to stress yourself or they say well I'm going to go drive down to the hardware store oh no I don't want you to drive I can do that for you and we, we want to help but what we're doing is limiting them hmm. and I think far too often we see our savior um, who we attribute as being the son of God God in human form pick your title the, the verses you read earlier were son of man anyway 
we take this this powerful Jesus and we limit him mm. and we say well I, I don't know that Jesus is capable of doing that mm-hmm. when really it's us who are, who are limited mm. and so I'm not, I'm not saying that Jesus is decrepit what I'm saying is far too often we have this image of Jesus a Jesus who can't Mm. And like, I know I've, I knew or a guy. Or won't. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes that's our fear too. But I knew a, I knew a guy who, when he died, and I was sad when he died. But anyway, he was ninety-seven years old, mm. and was on his roof with the leaf blower, uh, leaf leaf blower cleaning out the gutters. He fell off the roof. That's probably horribly tragic. But no one ever told him he couldn't. Yeah. Okay. And. No one ever coddled him. Now, I'm not saying go on your, you know, when you're in your 90s, go on your roof. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that maybe we shouldn't sell our Savior short like we do far too often do mm-hmm. um, the elderly and things like that. Do you ever gatekeep Jesus from yourself? While I've never thought of it, the answer is yes. Yeah, I was just thinking about how I've heard so many times... People say, well, I know God's got more important things to do than, than help me. Sometimes we're in the, the position of blind Bartimaeus, part of us, uh-huh. longing for healing, longing for help, longing to see clearly. And keeping it at arm's length. But the, yeah, another yeah. part of us is gatekeeping. And, and you know, how, how, how informative a passage that we have, like have ways of seeing ourselves in both of these roles at the same time keeping and and I think it comes out of you know I think it comes from fear of loss f- fear or yeah. yeah fear of disappointment mm-hmm. you know that if I ask and I don't get the answer that I want that that will mean something I wish I'd have never asked yeah. yeah yeah it's tragic is there good news in here for those of us who have felt that we have been kept from Jesus or for those of us who have uh, found ourselves doing this kind of gatekeeping? Well, first I'll say just blunt answer, yes. Hmm. But I'm going to follow that up by saying this passage is so rich, we're not going to have time to cover even half of the things that I wanted to cover. <laughs> For instance, look at Bartimaeus's reaction, uh, the way he saw Jesus without even seeing hmm. physically mm-hmm. anything in, until after. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I have, well, I feel like this project today because of time is going to leave a lot lacking because it's 10:30 and I have to go to a meeting in Waynesville. But well, let's hit a few of the points that you wanted to talk about though. Well, look look at Bartimaeus when he leaps up. I think that's where we find a lot of the, you know, the hope, hmm. the the good news when Jesus first of all he stands still and says call him here. Mm-hmm. When when he reacts to the disciples or the people that were trying to gatekeep. Uh, I find it interesting that he doesn't move. He expects Bartimaeus to come closer, which is a welcoming sign. And when we're in need and when we're in dark times and when we feel like we're not enough and we gatekeep ourselves, which is a great phrase, I'm glad you brought it up, um, what we're forgetting is that we are welcomed. Mm. Jesus doesn't have to come overwhelm us, although Jesus may, but Jesus can invite us to come to Jesus. And in and, and, and the fact that Jesus expects us to move closer, we can consider that an invitation. Right. So we're welcome into Jesus' presence, no matter where we are, no matter how many obstacles we put in our own ways. 
which Bartimaeus didn't. He was blind. But so no matter what it is that's keeping us from accessing the holy, it's mostly self-constructed. Mm-hmm. So there's hope in the fact that we are welcome. Um, and so I love that. But then when they tell him that he's being called to Jesus, his reaction is to throw off his cloak and spring up and come to Jesus. And he does this without the ability to see. And so it's a very faithful reaction. Mm -hmm. It is one that is available for all of us, Mm. that we are welcome into the presence of Christ. And because of that, we can assume, I don't want to say assume, but we can have faith in the fact that that help is coming. Yeah. And so I don't know what our various afflictions are, but it, it's exciting to me that someone who's been blind and has been sitting there begging and sees no future other than that can immediately react instead of saying, oh, yeah, of course he can heal me, you know. Mm. He says, oh, yeah, of course he can heal me. Yeah. And, and moves towards Christ. And I feel like when we move towards Christ and we do it in faith, it's it's it adds hope to the mix and hope is incredibly important in times of dark darkness yeah so you have faith he jesus uh sorry bartimaeus has faith in jesus faith that he will be able to heal him yes but i see that jesus also has faith in bartimaeus because he asks him to do something that would be difficult for a blind man correct right just like the example you were talking about about an older relative going to the hardware store or something um I mean, if your older relative really shouldn't be driving, like, don't let them go. Yeah. But, but, like, yeah, sometimes we limit people because we don't have faith in them yeah. to do something that they really want to do. And Jesus has faith in Bartimaeus that even though he's asking him to do something difficult, he's going to be able to do it. And he throws off his coat. And remember that just uh, last week or the week before, in this uh, in chapter ten, Jesus encountered this rich man who came to him, and Jesus said, "You lack one thing: sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and follow me." He leaves grieving. He leaves grieving, but Jesus also was asking him to do something difficult because he believed in him. He mm-hmm. had faith in him. He had faith in this rich man. That those possessions are to the rich man what that coat is to Bartimaeus. He's a beggar. That might be all he has. He's throwing it off and walking to Jesus. Yeah. Getting rid of those things that are burning him, slowing him down, might get in his way. And it, it to me, it's Jesus is being consistent in his faith in us as individuals to take the steps towards him in order to gain that reward. With the rich man... And Bartimaeus comparison. Do you think you you compared it to the coat? Hmm. But do you think it could be also compared to sight? To sight. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Tell me how. Well, I'm I'm really asking more than telling. But you know, what 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 is the rich man giving up? Is the thing that's weighing him down. Hmm. And what he longs for is eternal life. Yes. And so he's got to give up an affliction, which to us looks like a, a blessing, mm-hmm. you know, the money and stuff. But Bartimaeus as well encounters Jesus and gives up an affliction. Yeah. But but both of them are called to give up an affliction. Right. But they're different afflictions. So to one, to give up the affliction is celebrated, and the other 
gives up an affliction and grieves. Mm-hmm. I think my point in pointing that out is to remind our wonderful listeners that an encounter with Christ, two things. Number one, it should always elicit some reaction. You should not be the same in some way after an encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. Which if you try there's to do a, that every day a, means you're always changing. There's a change that has to happen, yeah. And the second thing is no two changes after encounters with Christ are the same. Right. Because none of us are the same. Yeah. What is the same, I think, is that Jesus has faith in us. Yes. Which is mind-blowing. Because we screw up so much. I screw up so much. But Jesus implicit in the call it seems to me from this story that when Jesus calls us to work it's not always going to be easy Mm -mm. in fact it may be work that is directly related to our insufficiencies or our weaknesses well that's I mean that's what the father does throughout the bible Mm. Gideon you need a smaller force not a bigger one Moses, yeah, you can't do any of this stuff. By the way, I'm God. How nice to meet you. Now go set my people free. Yeah. You, you can't know. speak. I'm going to ask you to speak. Correct. Yeah. You know? and, and so the so when Jesus concludes his healing here by saying, "Go, your faith has healed you," I think what Jesus has done uh, is invited this person to trust that calling. And trust that if Jesus asks us to step into something, even if it's something that seems like it is exactly the opposite of what our skill set is, mm-hmm. that that faith in us, that Jesus has in us, is enough that if we trust it and if we, if we, if we have faith in ourselves to, to follow, that that will be enough and that Jesus will change us and heal us through that, that calling and that following. All right, so I really do have to go. I don't know if you're going to the meeting or not, but I, I have to. So well, I don't have to, but I'm I'm going to the meeting to. too. But anyway, we have a meeting two towns over, and so uh, we are gonna. I, I feel like we're not done with this, but we are. Well, this is this is uh, if you want to know more about the healing of blind Bartimaeus, I really encourage you to check out Ched Meyer's book, uh, which is a commentary on Mark. It is called Binding the Strong Man, and this passage is critical in his in his analysis. It's a huge book, but uh, I'm going to have to go back and read that, too, because I know it's, that it's that's excellent. important. So. Excellent. Most of the time when Peter brings up a book, I haven't read it, but that one I have, and I love it. All right. Thank you all for listening. For Pastor Potluck, I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. Peace.